This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories... Birmingham, Alabama has been referred to as the Magic City almost since it began. What happened to some of the workers in its biggest industry didn't prove to be magical at all. Countless accidents inside the furnaces caused many men to burn to death as their co-workers watched on, unable to do anything. Since the early 1900s, ghosts have been spotted on the premises of Sloss Furnaces, and some seem to have quite evil intentions. This is episode number 78 of Hometown Ghost Stories, The Burning Ghosts of Birmingham, Alabama. Samuel tossed and turned in the hospital bed in pain. His entire body was in an agony that he had never experienced before in his life. He started to replay what had happened to him at work a few nights before in his head. It was the last night before Sloss Furnaces was closing for good. He sat in his office reading a book, and when he got bored, decided to walk the factory one last time. The night watchman got up, grabbed his favorite flashlight, and began his rounds. As he walked from room to room, he heard the normal creaks and moans of the building. Many of his co-workers believed the place was haunted, but Samuel never believed in such things. He figured most of them were just trying to get a rise out of him since he was there alone most nights. As he walked by one of the old furnaces, he heard what he thought was a grunt. He moved his flashlight quickly around the room, looking for the person responsible. No one. Great, now I'm losing it, Samuel thought to himself. As he began to move again, he heard the grunt directly over his shoulder, in his left ear. Samuel spun around quickly, and behind him was a badly burnt man in overalls, with an evil expression on his face. Who the hell are you? How'd you get in here? Samuel shouted at the man. Get back to work. 
the burnt man said in a low, angry voice. I'm calling the police, Samuel fired back as he began to walk to his office. The burnt man began to push Samuel up the stairs, catching him off balance. Push some steel. He began to repeat over and over as he pushed Samuel. Samuel, getting fed up, decided to take action. He took a swing and missed wildly, or so he thought. As he brought his hand back towards himself, a pain began to shoot through his body. He looked at his hand, and the skin was bubbling. Shortly after this, he blacked out, and he would wake up in the hospital. The doctors had told him his body was covered in third-degree burns and that they were doing everything they could to keep him stabilized. He'd wake up occasionally to the sounds of his wife sobbing before they could put him back out. Samuel heard his wife sobbing again. He felt he had the strength to open his eyes and let her know it was going to be okay. Before he could, though, the weeping had stopped, and he heard a grunt. Alarmed, Samuel opened his eyes and stared at the foot of his hospital bed, and that's when he saw the man standing over him, glaring down. Back to work the man said with the same low growl that echoed throughout Samuel's body. The man reached his hand out and grabbed at Samuel's neck. Everything began to get fuzzy as he heard the sound of the vital machine come to a stop, and Samuel slipped into darkness. I'm Rob Coakley, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Birmingham, Alabama. Birmingham, Alabama was founded on June 1, 1871, during the post-Civil War Reconstruction period. The city would build a railway and begin construction on many steel mills. The reason for this is that Birmingham is the only place in the world that has significant amounts of limestone, iron ore, and coal, the three main ingredients in making steel. Furnaces would pop up almost overnight throughout the city, and Birmingham's growth would happen at a very rapid pace. The growth was so rapid that many would nickname Birmingham the Magic City. However, the working conditions at these steel furnaces would be anything but magical. One of the main reasons the railroad came to Birmingham in the first place was because of Colonel James Withers Sloss. Sloss got involved in the railroad industry and would eventually become president of the Nashville and Decatur Line. After successfully bringing the railway to Birmingham, he would then set out on another venture and create Sloss Furnaces in 1880. After a successful six years, Sloss would retire and sell the company to investors who expanded it rapidly. The company operated as a segregated business where all the white workers were management, engineers, or chemists, and the African-American workers were only allowed to do labor-intensive jobs. This is until 1928, when the company began to use prison labor instead of outright hiring workers. A quote about this time period was that, quote, slavery had not died, it merely has been transformed, end quote. 
The staff often worked 12-hour shifts at the furnaces with barely any breaks, and in the summer, it could reach upwards of 120 degrees. But the furnaces had to burn 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. The first major accident would occur in 1882. Debris had become stuck on the brick walls of furnace number one. The solution? Lower two men into the furnace to scrape the walls as the furnace stayed burning below. The two men who were chosen were Alec King and Bob May. Alec and Bob were lowered onto platforms to begin the job. While working, the fumes began to disorient Alec, and he lost his footing. Bob tried to catch Alec before he fell, but instead, Alec pulled Bob with him, and they plummeted to their demise. The workers of the factory rushed to the furnace, but could do nothing but watch their co-workers become nothing more than charred remains. Later that same year, Samuel Cunningham, a worker at the factory, would walk to the top of that same furnace and jump into it, taking his own life. An explosion in 1888 within the factory would not take the life of anyone, but it left six workers blind. In 1892, eight men were working on scaffolding installing a new hot blast stove. The scaffolding would collapse and sent the eight men plummeting 58 feet down. John Statton and John Ritchie would die immediately. The other six men, Will Harvey, P.J. Trammell, Job Wade, Jerry Moore, Henry Cutts, and Frank Wilcox were all seriously injured. The report was that all but Moore's injuries could prove to be fatal, and the fate of the remaining men has been lost to history. On August 4, 1897, a young boy was walking around the factory when he spotted an open water tank, and his curiosity would get the best of him. He poked his head inside and was terrified by what he saw, so much so that he ran to the police station. The police followed the boy back to Sloss, and they were not prepared for the scene they were about to encounter. They would find the disfigured dead body of a man within the water tank. An article from the New York Times, simply titled, Dead in a Furnace Tank, had this ghastly description. Quote, The body was cooked, and the flesh fell off in chunks as it was drawn from the vat. End quote. The man was later identified as Joseph F. Webb, who was a painter for the railway system within the city. He was last seen walking home from a bar the night before, carrying a pair of new shoes for himself and a pair for his wife. The problem was that Sloss wasn't even in the direction of his home. His family and friends believe that he was murdered and dumped in the tank. The shoes for his wife were found floating beside his body. A ghost of a woman has been seen around Sloss Furnaces, and many believe that Joseph's wife took her life on the property shortly after his body was discovered, and that she is one of the many spirits haunting the place. Sometime around 1901 or 1902, a rupture in blower room number one caused scalding hot steam to come pouring out that killed two workers. A worker that was interviewed and saw the whole thing said that the two men were, quote, burnt to a crisp, end quote. The final documented fatal accident occurred right outside of this same room. 
a worker decided to take his lunch break quickly right near the machinery for blower room number one. As he sat and ate his lunch, his overalls got sucked in by the spinning cogwheel, pulling the unsuspecting man in with the clothing and crushing him to death. These are just the documented deaths that have happened on the grounds of Sloss Furnaces throughout the years that could account for the many hauntings experienced in the location that we're going to dive into. However, it doesn't even account for the many injuries, amputations, and diseases experienced by the workers throughout the years. The most infamous story associated with Sloss is that of James Robert Wormwood, otherwise known as Slag. Slag was the overnight supervisor of the plant from the late 1890s through 1906. Wanting to impress the higher-ups, it said that he often put his workers in even more dangerous situations than normal, which led to the death of over 40 workers and even more injuries. But the higher-ups were impressed with his production in the beginning, so it continued. His workers often received no breaks, and if caught taking one, he would personally dole out extreme punishment. One night, while inspecting an area of the top of one of the furnaces, he lost his footing, plummeting to his death and burning in the furnace. At least, this is the story that was released. Many believe Slag met his end in a different way. Fed up with his cruelty, it's believed that a group of workers grabbed Slag, carried him up the furnace, and threw him in themselves. Theopolis Calvin Jowers brought his family to Birmingham looking for opportunity to better their lives. Upon arrival and getting a job at Alice Furnaces, he would promise his wife, quote, as long as there is a furnace in this county, I'll be there, end quote. A promise that would eventually turn ominous. After working years at Alice Furnaces, he would eventually become a supervisor. It was said that he was well-liked by many that worked under him. Unfortunately, shortly after this promotion, tragedy would strike. On September 10th, 1887, while working around the edge of the furnace to loosen a bell, Jowers lost his balance and fell with it into the molten iron. The Birmingham Age report the following day described how, quote, a piece of sheet iron was attached to the length of a gas pipe, and with that instrument, his head, bowels, two hip bones, and a few ashes were fished out, end quote. Shortly after this, workers at the furnace began to see Theopolis showing up to work, watching over his fellow workers. When a few years later the furnace was torn down, his ghost began to show up at Alice's furnace number two, where he once again would watch over his workers. In 1927, Alice's furnaces would be torn down and shut for good, a few of the remaining workers that had worked with Theopolis all those years ago went to work at Sloss Furnaces. They were shocked when one day they saw Theopolis walk through the factory, ready for work, and watching over the workers in the new building. Jowers isn't the only ghost that's been spotted in the facility since then, and the reports of ghostly figures date back to the beginning of the 1900s. In 1926, a night watchman was making his rounds and was pushed violently from behind to the ground as a deep growling voice said, Get back to work. As he turned around to confront the assailant, no one was there. 
He searched the entire premises and found that he was there, all alone. In 1947, three of the company's supervisors went missing during work. A search ensued for the missing men, and eventually they were found locked in a small boiler room in the southeastern portion of the factory, and all three were unconscious. When the men finally came back too, each man had the same story. They reported that a man they were unfamiliar with, who was badly burnt, approached each of them individually and told them each to push some steel. After this encounter, all they could remember was waking up in the boiler room. In 1971, the night before the plant closed for good, Samuel Blumenthal was making his rounds for one of the last times. He would soon come face to face with what he described as a half-man, half-demon, who was covered in burn marks. The entity began pushing him up the stairs, telling him to get back to work. Panicked, Samuel began throwing punches at the being before blacking out. He would later wake up in the hospital, covered in third-degree burns, and telling the police and doctors his tale. Samuel would never return to Sloss factories after this. Over the years, there have been over 100 documented police reports of paranormal activity taking place at Sloss furnaces. These range from the normal bangs, bumps, and footsteps, to steam whistles blowing by themselves with no explanations, to full-body apparitions being spotted, and even occasionally, a physical assault. In 1988, the Center for Paranormal Events conducted a study at the facility and determined that, because of a violent disregard for and a gigantic loss of life, Sloss Furnaces should be considered a location rife with restless souls. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome into Hometown Ghost Stories, episode number 78. Today we're in Bama, Alabama, talking about sluice? Sloss? Sloss. Talking about sloss furnaces. No, I was going to get that wrong. We had sloss, we had slag, we had all sorts of stuff. I'm Jesse Wilkins, been joined by Rob Coakley. What's up, Rob? Yeah, it wouldn't be good if any of us had a really bad lisp for this episode. (laughs) Floth. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Mike, Mike Tyson, not not a special guest on today's oh, show. Oh man, we'd get through like two two sentences and it would be over. Showtime would be done. <laughs> Flag and floth, furry fifth. Yeah, that's, that's tough. We're all also joined by Dave. Hello, Dave. What's up? Hey, I wonder if this factory had one of those X amount of days without a work accident whiteboard, no. and if it, if, it, if it ever reached double digits. <laughs> just, always at zero. It just always has a laugh face emoji. Yeah. Yeah. That's where the crying laugh emoji was invented. They just, yeah, just drew it on that board. What's going on to everybody who was hanging out in live chat? We appreciate you all for hanging out. The brand new YouTube membership is live, and we had people jumping all up in there, uh, all throughout the stream. So even before it started, we had a few. For those listening to the audio version, you can also join, even if we're not live. So you can join and support the show. One dollar. Boom. All right. Sounds well, good. I believe this is our first time covering Alabama, is it not? 
it is our first time covering Alabama, and I think everywhere we cover is relatively interesting. But I don't know how many factories we've actually done like this, and the history of this place is kind of bonkers, right? Like there is a lot of stuff that happened in this place. So if anywhere is going to be rife for haunting, it's this place because every single death employee that... whoever worked there fell into the <laughs> furnace. <laughs> that's how it sounded hey doesn't it it sounds like that and i was like reading about the work history of this place not even just the not even just like the tragic accidents that happened in the furnace but just the amount of amputations and injuries and stuff that happened in this place is crazy and you thought that like you've worked at places where the the staff turns over a bunch this place was turning over like 150 employees every month or more on a the cruise like 270 is what they were usually trying to operate at and they were turning over like more than 60 percent of the workforce every single month because people didn't want to stay and work in the conditions of these furnaces but yeah, that never was mind, the, never mind dying on the job right like just it, it sounded it, like it was an absolute miserable place to work they were obviously start to finish it seemed seemed terrible everything about it it's just it's an all-around like crazy terrible sad story and just for starters i didn't even know birmingham didn't exist until after the civil war i would have just like just if you had asked me like yeah birmingham's probably been there since almost the creation of alabama because when you think of alabama you think of like birmingham that's one of the first one that comes to mind yeah it's one of the first ones that you think of. So I, I, and it didn't even come about until post civil war. And they are the only place on the planet that have these three materials that are just like right next to each other to make this stuff. So if there's like, you're in like a rural area, which Birmingham probably was back in the day. I don't know. I don't know much about Birmingham now. Is it a city or is it like a, it's a city st- now? Yeah. Yeah. People are apparently just very works awesome. at the local factory in these types of areas back in the, Back in this time period, it's well, you also do. you also have to think about post Civil War. So you're in the South, where there were a lot of African Americans, right? And there's this new industry with furnaces; they need manual labor, and you have this entire group of people that were just given their freedom, but they're not given any assistance. It's just like you're free, go do stuff, and they have. They're limited on their skill set because they weren't allowed to be educated, right? And they have to find work. So the factories were kind of preying on that in a sense where they could get the cheapest labor possible by Mm -hmm. hiring these people that by taking advantage of the situation, right? And oh, for sure. Well, you saw a, a direct correlation between this and Brushy Mountain as well, where not only were they using well, they, they were also using the prison labor as well. So mm-hmm. able to use inmates to come in and basically do even cheaper labor. So all around poor practices. I mean, I'm sure this was going on in a lot of places, especially down south and all over. It really was where they were, you know, taking advantage of, of certain groups of people and also using this prison labor, which was a barbaric practice in itself. Which is even crazier because... The police force were in on it with these companies and not just not just Sloss, but other factories in the place where I was reading reports. They were just 
pick up and jail any anyone that was black that they could because they didn't care if they were guilty or not. It just allowed them to fill the factories with cheaper labor. And this was super common back then with with lots of prisons and lots of industries in the areas were taking advantage of that at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a huge thing. It wasn't just Birmingham. It was yeah. all over the country. It's kind of sickening to see when you think about it. And the weird thing is, I actually found an interview with a man that worked at Sloss in the early 1900s. They conducted the interview in the 1940s. And he talked about how he liked going to work because even though they treated him badly, they called him names. They were relatively mean to him the entire time he was there. It was still better than the way people treated him outside of the factory. And you're just like, it, it just shows you like what the conditions were back in the day and how, how terrible it was. Then you start getting into the tragedies and working conditions and the stuff that they had to do in this factory. That first one where the inside of the furnace was like getting clogged up and dirty. So the way (laughs) (laughs) the furnace is all clogged. It's just factory employees. (laughs) Too too many people are in there. Somebody climb in there and clear them out. (laughs) But like, to actually make workers climb into the furnace to scrub off the walls while the furnace is still running. Hard pass. OSHA I would just, not approve. I would not ever consider doing that. It, and the tragedy that you would think happened, happened. They get in there. There's these poisonous gases that are coming up. It's making them lightheaded. And the guy falls and he And the guy, his friend tries to be helpful and grab him. And he ends up getting dragged into the furnace as well. And that's your first two deaths and not your only two that happen at Sloss Furnaces. What was the final death? Was it around 50? Was that the final death count? All right. So we have to kind of get into this. We should probably just start with the story of Slag. The final death count is theoretically between 60 and 70. But I'm going to call bullshit right now on some of this. And I think the entire slag story is completely made up. The entire thing. The entire slag story? Yeah. So the entire story existed? No. Really? Can't find any record on him. I can't find a death certificate. I can't find anything about this guy. And what happened at Sloss is up until last year, they used to run a, a haunted attraction there every October. So Sloss is now a a museum. You can actually go walk around Sloss, right? It's a self-guided tour. You can go see what it used to look like. It's the last standing furnaces from the time in Birmingham. But they've had events there. They've had concerts there. They did this haunting every September, October until last year where Sloss Furnaces decided they didn't. I think they decided they didn't want that at their place anymore. So they really leaned into getting them out of there and reduce the amount of time they could be there. I'm just surprised a place like this was able to open a haunt because you see a bunch of these getting shut down because the fire department comes in and just looks around and is like, nope, not yeah. going to work. There's a million yeah. violations and this looks like one of the most unsafe places, <laughs> even when it was in operation. Never mind now, after it's been run down for a certain amount of years, it doesn't look like it's the type of place that was really being upkept very well, which is a right. great 
environment for a haunt. I love the idea of it, but that doesn't mean the town officials and fire department are going to say that it's safe to have public walking through this whole thing, especially in the dark. And I wouldn't be shocked if that wasn't part of the reason why they were limiting the amount of the haunt or trying to get it out of there. But the people that were running this haunt, I believe came up with the whole slag story. And it sucks because there's so much history to this place and there's like legitimate hauntings. Like that story of Theopolis, the guy who actually didn't even work at Sloss. He worked at Alice Furnaces. And he told his wife, as long as there's a furnace in Birmingham, I'll be there. Mm-hmm. And after they tore down Alice Furnaces, workers that worked with him saw him and we'll talk about it. But that's like a generally scary story and a legitimate haunt. And then you have all these other tragedies that have happened there. So to spice it up, I think these people came in, they invented this entire story of slag because if I tell you, I see a burned man ghost, that's creepy. But if I tell you there was an evil foreman that worked there in the 1906, his name was slag and he was mean to his employees and he fell into the furnace, but maybe they threw him in there. That's like a compelling story, but you I'm don't need a lot it. of comparisons with even last week where we were talking about the, when we were talking about the queen Mary, they also turned that into a haunted house. Yeah. And I believe we had mentioned that it might've been when Disney owned it, that they had basically just created a bunch of ghost stories for it. And you don't need to, you don't need to with a yeah. place like this. You don't need to with a place like that because it's already got so many ghost stories, whether it's got so much death, which you can back up some of these hauntings with, at that location, you don't need to create these ghost stories. But when you're in the business of creating a haunt and you're in the business of making things a little bit scarier for Halloween, then why not go for it? But there's locations, like haunted locations, that do Halloween events that instead of going off the ghost stories that actually exist at that place, they create something that has nothing to do with the house. And then after the Halloween event ends, the story is gone. That's the way it should be. So if like if you need to spice it up a little bit, then then just don't add new ghost stories and then start telling them as if they're as if they are real. Or, it's yeah. a snowball effect. Well, you know? Sometimes that's how stories start or how rumors start is a story just like you said that's created for a reason. And then through the game of telephone, it just gets so big that people believe it was actually a fact. And, and that's what time passes that it just basically ends up being the history of the town. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but the that's 100% what's happening here because anything you look up Sloss, you're going to see the story of Slag Wormwood and how evil of a man he was and he's the one that haunts it. And it takes a lot of digging to find out that it's kind of bullshit, to be perfectly honest. You really have to dig and find out. And then you have to dig even harder to find the real stories. And when you find the real stories, at least in my case, I'm like, well, this is more terrifying because these people brutally lost their lives here. The conditions were brutal. And if there's a burn man haunting the place, it could be a number of different people. We're not 100% sure. But I also made it a point to show or say the names of every victim on this one that of people that died in the place for two reasons. One, I found so many stories where they, people weren't even naming the people that that passed away here. They were just saying, and two workers and they deserve a little more respect than that. If you can actually find their name. Right. And the other one is 
when you see the whole slag 47 people died on slag wormwoods shift over the years you don't find a single name there's no nothing just nothing exists for that so not only was it made up it was lazily made up to be perfectly honest and saying 47 was a bad number to go for you could have said seven and it would have been more impactful in my opinion but yeah it's one of those cases where the story's too big you know almost right. like you showed your hand because you told too big of a story yeah exactly so that that's kind of like the 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 thing i think we had to get out of the way right away we need to make sure that people know that that's not real but the problem is when you have this story and then you tell people it's not real now they think the place isn't haunted at all right they think that okay well you just debunked the biggest ghost story so the place must not be haunted and it's like no there is still documented hauntings going back to the 1920s in this place let's talk about those when did the factory shut down 1971 i believe that's so funny that's such a funny year for the factory to shut down do you want to know why that's a funny year sure because that is the exact same year osha was created oh really yeah <laughs> as soon as they begin a thing they're like ah, i think we should probably just shut it down we should probably just shut this down <laughs> it was either 71 72 or 73 it was like very early 70s that they shut down so any one it, of those makes sense for that narrative yeah i mean they were the last one standing basically the other thing that i was reading is there was a lot of these furnaces all around birmingham again they just all sprung up because of the the materials that were there, right? So what a lot of historians are saying is they think a lot of the ghost stories from other furnaces are all kind of coming together and being put into sloths. So stuff that tragedies that happen at other ones and stuff have mistakenly been said to happen at sloths. Even the Theopolis Jowers one, if you don't look in the right places, they'll say that his accident happened at Sloss, which is not true. Yeah, so I think I feel think like they're the just moving head. a bunch of these hauntings to Sloss to be like, okay, well, this haunting is now happening at Sloss because that's the haunted place. Well, I think it also could just be like almost like Dave was saying, where it's telephone, where if you grew up in Birmingham and like your family grew up in Birmingham your entire life, and say your great grandfather or your grandfather was like, I was at the furnace and this happened to me while there or this happened to my coworker, but while you were alive the only place you've seen is sloss you're going to just equate that to sloss if he doesn't say the name of the place he worked at you know it, it just it, it becomes when you think of a furnace you're going to think of sloss furnace because that's the only one standing it's a good point yeah so all is that's the only one left like all the older ones those are all torn down okay so that makes sense so yeah, yeah people that have the factory stories or the whatever stories they're going to assume that it's at all that sloss furnace. So that makes sense. So which hauntings do you, which ones are legitimate and which ones do you find to be the most scary and credible? Well, I think the, the Jowers one, the Theopolis Jowers one is very credible based on the ghost story goes all the way back to the 1920s where they have documentation from workers that actually worked with Jowers at Alice furnace that his accident happened in like 1887 or so i said in the episode and the last furnace for alice furnaces closed in the 1920s and as soon as that closed some of those workers they were probably older at this point they probably worked with them when they was younger 
they moved over to Sloss Furnaces and they said that Rich, uh, not Richard, um, Theopolis Jowers walked through the gate one day. Just plain as day, walked through the gate, started walking into the furnace, disappeared, and then they would just see him sporadically around Sloss Furnaces, kind of overseeing. And they believed trying to make sure that nothing nothing bad happened to him. And one connection that I don't see people really putting together is once his ghost gets there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There is no reported deaths in the facility again. So all the guardian angel type situation. Yeah, it's and nobody's ever like kind of put those two together. But from what I saw, there was no other documented deaths at the place after his spirit started showing up there. It's, it's so interesting because it's not like a residual haunting, right? Because mm-hmm. if it was a residual haunting, it would still be at the old factory or if they tore it down, it might be on the grounds of the old factory. Yeah. yeah. So maybe it's an intelligent haunting, but it's so interesting how he was able to travel on. And if he's it's, an intelligent haunting, does he know he's a ghost? Because he's got to, I guess, but he just went off to the, maybe he's there to protect the new workers. It's Can almost like a, an intelligent haunt if you don't even know you're a ghost. How intelligent now? How intelligent are you? Some people are so, somewhat intelligent. It's almost like a curse, though, too, because of that sentence that he said to his wife, where he said, as long as there's a furnace in Birmingham, I'll be there. So once Alice furnaces close, he moves to the closest one, which at the time was Sloss. And the curiosity question is, if Sloss wasn't the one that lasted if some other one lasted would he have moved from sloss to the next one right so we won't ever know that but he did move from alice furnaces to sloss and it's almost like i said like he's he's trapped until sloss furnaces gets torn down that might be the case might not be the case maybe he's going to walk off to the next factory it almost seems like a curse man sounds like such a terrible job maybe he did enjoy the work you know that's basically what he told his wife right there's Mm -hmm. a furnace i'm going to be there but damn, imagine like working every day. You're like, I'm just going to retire eventually. I'm going to make enough money, be done with this. And mm-hmm. then you die. And as a ghost, you're like just going back to work. You're like, well, well fuck me. <laughs> I'm just, I'm doing this forever, I guess. Speaking of brutal, the description of his death from the newspaper was very, very brutal. That was the one where they said like they put the the thing on the rod and they fished out like his hip bones liver and some of his ashes and you're just like jesus man i mean i I have fear of like being in the ocean and stuff and one thing i just never want to do is be burnt to death with like liquid metal as it's a a reasonable request it it sounds awful right doesn't it sound like the worst way to go yeah i think i would if i had to choose whether to burn to death or drown i think i'd rather drown 
That is tough. That is tough. Uh, Creekside asked, were there murders inside the factory? There was assumed murders. Was there any like legitimate murders that anyone got prosecuted for, Rob? Nobody got prosecuted, but there was one that we touched on in the pre-recorded section where the man was at a bar one night and he had uh, he had two boxes of shoes, one for him, one for his wife. When he left the bar, he was heading home to give her her shoes and he never made it home that night. The next day, the kid is there's a kid walking around Sloss Furnaces and he notices a water tank open and he looks inside and he finds the man's dead body. And it's not like he it's not like he um, accidentally got in there or something. The weird thing is Sloss Furnaces wasn't even the direction of his house. So they think somebody grabbed him. No reason for him to be there. It seemed like they, it's also a weird place to dump a body. So it's kind of strange. The other thing with that murder is the guy was clearly burnt before he was dumped in the water tank because his flesh was like charred and coming off of his body as they took him out of the water tank. Yeah. Water tank's not going to do that too. So I wonder if there was a worker that worked that knew the facility and like was mugging him or something. And took him there and burned him and then just threw him in the water tank when he didn't fully burn or something. That's speculation by me. That's strange though. I mean, if he's dead in the furnace, wouldn't you just leave him there? He's dead anyways. It's not like you're hiding the body by dumping him in the water tank. Well, if you thought that the workers were going to get there and actually see the body and you're trying to buy yourself more time. Yeah, maybe maybe if the furnace was your workstation and they're like, oh, we found a body in Rob's furnace. But he, dumped it in, he dumped it in Dave's water tank instead. And it was like, yeah. <laughs> Dave must have done that. Yeah, I'd be like, well, I'm not going to dump it in my own workstation. <laughs> I should be the last person you would assume to be the yeah. culprit. And he was burnt, probably from Rob's workstation. Yeah. It just becomes that scene from The Princess Bride where they're trying to figure out who's going to drink the poison. Oh, yeah, the poison. Oh. <laughs> Inconceivable. <laughs> Great reference. <laughs> Inconceivable. We're back to this. Fluff. Fluff factory. Inconceivable. So, so that's the one documented murder and okay. So the other bullshit is they say that his wife went and, um, killed herself at the location after he was found there, like shortly after, and that her ghost haunts the place. Is there any documentation on that? There's no documentation on that. Um, it seems like, sounds like they had a little spice to that one. Yeah, and they also think that might have uh, not that she not that it was his wife, but they think that might be one of the stories that happened at a different furnace where a woman just happened to be on the grounds and did that and it got moved over to Sloss. So that's a possibility of what happened too. And like stories just start gelling together like we talked about. What if the it wasn't a murder, it was an accident that he was fell into the furnace and the guy put him in the water tank to try and save him? And then was like, damn, he's dead. Can't just just leave him here. I, I, th- I thought you were going to say, what if it was an accident and he fell into the furnace and then he tried to swim it off? <laughs> Try to swim it off. Yeah. <laughs> so I also have a list of, I mean, we've got to talk about some of the stuff that happened throughout the years there. But I do have a list of other hauntings that occurred here if we want to run through those real quick. Absolutely. In early 2002, a skeptical investigative team from CBS affiliate WJTV investigated the site. They left Frazzle and convinced that Sloss was haunted, capturing footage that can be seen on their site. 
in addition, another investigation was held in 2003 by the Alabama Foundation for Paranormal Research, who quoted that there is no doubt SLOSS is a hotspot for paranormal activity. During our investigations, we pulled data that confirms through scientific methods and approach that energies are present that cannot be explained. SLOSS is one of the most paranormal act active places our team has investigated. On October 4th of 2003, another assault happened to a crew member, Josh Thomas, who had worked at SLOSS for many years, suddenly caught fire after seeing a strange shape. He suffered burns up and down his body and was taken to the hospital, and he still cannot recall what happened. That sounds like uh, maybe the SAG story, no? No, because the Watchman story happened. So SLAG was just, they're just equating the ghost that's seen there as SLAG, and I think it's other people. Uh, that story strangely, that you just said, isn't that the same story that we were talking about from your opening story, or am I getting these two confused? You're confusing things. SLAG was the foreman. Right, right. But the opening story was the guy who saw the... The, the opening ghost. story was the... I used the story from a security guard who got third-degree burns in the okay. 1970s. They equate the ghost that did it as slag, but I'm saying slag doesn't exist. There's right, we can move on from slag, but I'm saying the story that you had told, whether it was the slag ghost or not, was that the same one that you were just talking about in that same article, or were we talking about two different years? Because if so, oh. we have two very similar hauntings well, with somebody you, thinking they saw something and ending up with burns. If you let me finish, the next sentence was, strangely enough, this was almost on the exact 32nd anniversary of the Samuel Bl Blumenthal burn attack from 1971. Okay. Yes. So that clears it, that up. But that showed that I was paying attention, that <laughs> <laughs> me and the article drew the same conclusion, which is interesting because <laughs> I have the article right here, and I also read that. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, okay, I made the connection there. So that that's actually really interesting. So, I mean, 32 years is a long time for that gap to be like mm -hmm. anything less than coincidence. But it sounds like if these both, if both of those stories are true, both those hauntings, then you have yep. something very evil and very powerful there that is causing burns to people. And it's happened more than once at the same place. Hmm. Yep. In 2009, uh, the Unexplained Mystery Investigation Team investigated Sloss and captured shadows on film, which I know what they mean, but it just sounds silly when it's worth <laughs> They captured shadows on film. It's like, well, I can go capture shadows on film right now, but I know what they mean. Mm, there are uh, shadows everywhere if there's light. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know they mean like shadowy like figures, but... Just worded very poorly. In 2012, the team from Ghost Adventures visited and were physically assaulted. Again, caught on film. There's a shadow there. It looks just like me. <laughs> <laughs> In 2014, Ghost Hunters visited Slot It's furnaces following me! <laughs> and filmed absolutely phenomenal footage proving that there is definitive spiritual activity at Sloss and have since returned to capture even more evidence. So that's a list of more modern hauntings and i kind of covered a lot of the older hauntings dating back to the secure uh the supervisors the the supervisor story is real wild that's the one where the three supervisors were approached by a man and they kind of black out and they were all locked in a boiler room when they woke up and they were unconscious that story sounds a little bit too much like it's a cover-up for something else. 
Right? It does, doesn't it? <laughs> like that. What, yeah, what did anyone search hide? the room for a whiskey bottle? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got locked in the boiler room again. It was the Ben, uh, the ghost. It's Friday. We know that's your poker night. You can stop saying it's the ghost <laughs> locking you in the room. There, there are some really good stories. The Night Watchman one. There was another one in 1920 where the Night Watchman reported being pushed and nobody was there. So the Night Watchman one is in the 20s and the 70s. So it, it's just there are a lot of documented hauntings. Uh, the police have received over 100 calls reporting paranormal activity while the place is inactive correct over the over the last like 40 years or whatever wow so based between seeing shadow shadow figures seeing apparitions hairy stuff phantom phone calls or is this people that are there that are so scared that they call the police people that are scared are calling the police it's not phantom phone calls Imagine calling doing? the police because you think there's because <laughs> you think there's a ghost. Like, like I get it if you're scared, but just leave. <laughs> well, I would get the it. For? You're essentially calling the cops on yourself for trespassing. Right. Okay, so these are people that are trespassing, breaking the law, and then snitching on themselves. Like, dude, just go. <laughs> just <laughs> just get up and leave. That's what the police are gonna tell you to do. What do you think they're gonna do? Come there and help you out, like Ed Warren? He's <laughs> gonna be like, oh, we'll we'll take care of this. All right, now let me know when you're done. And then you have to stop trespassing. Oh, boy. The cops show up and they just pull a crucifix out of their holster. I got yeah. this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they, they draw their gun, but it's full of holy water. It's just a gun. <laughs> so I do, I do think there is some um, validity to the hauntings. Again, we have enough tragic history at this place. We have absolutely crazy stuff that happened to people, died in horrible ways. We also have a, a business that people went to for probably a third or half of their life for one, you know, for 20, 30 years. And we talk about residual hauntings where people are just doing the same things over and over, washing dishes and cleaning. And why can't a residual haunting be being at work? It sounds awful. I hope it's not me ever, but also very possible, right? Yeah, I do think Sloss is haunted. I think that there is something evil there as well, based on the based on all the reports of aggressive behavior from the ghost, the burnings, like the burn marks that people have received there. That's hard to fake. I mean, if you're if you're giving yourself burns to try to prove that there's a ghost, then all the power to you because. That is uh, not a length that I would ever go to for anything. No, we've talked about this in a a few different places. I believe it was the Amityville one Mm -hmm. where I think it was um, Lorraine Warren who had burnt her hand. And someone had said, oh, it was a Bridgeport where they had said it might have been intentional. Like there's people that have walked out of that mausoleum with broken fingers. And it's like, I understand that sometimes people will fake a scratch on their body or something or a bite mark or something, but to break your finger just to say a ghost did it is wild. Velisca comes to mind too. Yeah. The guy who stabbed stabbed himself, himself, right? That was, uh, they say the ghost makes you want to kill yourself or hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. And that guy stabbed himself. Yeah. Right. That's uh, really committing to the cause if you're faking that situation. Yeah. But I, but I can almost see people trying to like, give themselves a little bit of a cut 
because you're like, oh, I won't hurt that bad. But burning yourself, like burning yourself is next level, man. I think I've had second degree burns mm. and that was terrible, like awful, awful. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm it's just, not like a it's not like a cut. If you cut yourself or even bruise like a, a bruise, for instance, if you bruise yourself, mm-hmm. it hurts at first, but then it doesn't really hurt unless you poke it. If you cut yourself, it hurts, but the, the pain kind of wanes a little bit. If you burn yourself, that burn hurts debatably more as it's healing. Yeah. It's one of the most painful things you can do to yourself. I caught my arm on a go-kart motor once when I was like in my teens, early teens. And I just remember that bubbling and sizzling and then feeling it for weeks afterwards. Just You just feel it for forever. Yeah. I keep my cast iron pans in the oven just to store them there and mm-hmm. preheated the oven one day, didn't completely forgot the pan was in there. And I went out, did my thing. My wife comes in, sees the pans in the oven heating up. She takes it out with the potholder, puts it on top of the stove, <laughs> leaves. I walk in because I'm grabbing the, I'm, I'm coming to grab the cast iron pan to go throw in the grill. And I just grabbed it. And it's just, and the cast iron pan is so heavy too. So I lifted it up and it's just second degree burns in my hands. It hurts so bad for so long. Oh. It's my right hand because I'm right handed. Like I do, it was tough. I had to yeah. have it. I had to take an ice cold beer out of the fridge just to hold the can and drink it. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only way that I could like um, neutralize the pain. Yeah, I did the same thing just to help you get over it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Just good brother. Just in unison, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Creekside is asking if we think the boss was so hated because he made the workers clean the furnace while it was running. And my assumption for, a, and we're not talking about the one that we don't think is real. Yeah, they probably, everyone hates their boss. But I guarantee none of our bosses have made us get inside a, a lit fire. So yeah, they probably hated him quite a bit if that was what's going on there. Well, I wonder if that's just how you clean it though. If you clean At the, the time, yeah. Because that's the best way. To, I mean, that's how I clean my grill, just with hot coals, just throw them in there. That's the easiest way to do it. Just climb right in with them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you couldn't shut the furnace off at the time either. It had to be running 365 days a year, 24-7. There was no holidays. It was 12-hour shifts at the furnace because it had to be running. Yeah. And in the beginning. And you got to remember, too, that this place was built in the 1880s. And technology was rapidly advancing. So... Nothing from the original build is still there. The original furnaces were gone. By 1902, everything that was there before was already replaced. And this is just happening throughout time as, as more and more advancements get made. Um, so the furnaces where these people were dying were torn down like almost immediately. Because they got not even there anymore. Right. Because they got, they got replaced. They got so full, so full up of uh, bodies that they had to get yep. some new ones. A rare IPA throwing two dollars in super chat. Thank you so much, Andrew S. Is the boss now a demon in the afterlife, or is that even a thing? Yeah, I was wondering that too because you had mentioned it in the intro video that it's, or the alleged the legend is it's a half man, half demon, and mm. that is that does kind of counter the at least the religious definition of what a demon is. Of what is widely accepted as what a demon is. I don't think a human spirit can become a demon. Well, that was what the entity was described as by the security guard in 1971. 
right. the one that got burned, he said that he looked like a half man, half demon. And we're going to go ahead and assume that this security guard isn't an expert on what demons look like, right? Because right. people aren't. And he was just describing what he thought he saw. Right. And if you so, see a flaming ghost, I could understand why that might seem demonic. Right. And I think it could be some sort of evil entity there. I think all of the tragic things could probably bring something evil there or something evil could have already been there. We've talked about that before too. Like they could have built on something that no one knows about. It could have already been there or been brought there. So I think it's a possibility. I think you could also just have some really pissed off spirits there. I mean, we talked about 16, 17, 18 people that died in a freaking fiery death melting in a furnace probably would piss you off right and what if the what if some of the angry spirits there are people that were essentially legally forced into slavery that might have left some negative energy there while they were there whether they died there or not could be also great point because because it's just it's a terrible existence and you're leaving a bunch of anger and hate there so yeah, I put I put it almost in the same category as like a haunted prison where so many people are there. A lot of them probably there because they have to be basically, or they're there against their will, or there's literally prisoners there as well when they were doing prison labor there. So mm-hmm. I think it could be on the same level of haunting as as a prison, and you don't really know who is going to be haunting this place. But some of the stories that came out of this were like next level crazy, and mm-hmm. and pretty wild, and they sound relatively they sound like dangerous hauntings as well. So whether it's something demonic or just kind of poltergeist activity or, or some sort of intelligent haunt, there's something there and it sounds pretty bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I I was, I've been enamored with this place for the past, like four or five months. I, uh, I'll be honest. I heard it on Chris's podcast. He brought up sloss furnaces on haunted American history. And I started diving into it and he did a great job like summarizing it, but I really wanted to dive a bit deeper into it and get into the full history of the place. And I'm glad I did. I was, I was fascinated the whole time I was researching it. I was really digging deep on stuff because I really wanted to either debunk or clarify some of these stories. And the ones I could clarify were Theopolis Jowers who for some reason gets miscategorized as Richard Jowers sometimes. So it's I was just wondering a, how you screwed that name. You were like Theophilus. I mean, Richard. It's like, how the hell did you screw those two names up? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. They sometimes they call him Richard Jowers, but he was Theopolis Jowers. I could find a whole family tree on him with five kids and everything. So it was the- Theopolis Calvin Jowers. And you could dig into that story and you find a lot about it. And then you look into the story of slag and there's nothing there. I searched for graves. I searched for death records. I looked for everything on this man. And all I could find was a couple passages online where people were saying that the haunt actually made him up almost to have a mascot. Like, I think that's what it is. You, they wanted a mascot and it's just like, dude, you have so much haunted history here. And you've just, you've kind of ruined it because anyone that's skeptical, all they need to do is find this out and they're going to dismiss everything else at this place. The biggest ghost stories, the ones that get made into the movies, The Conjuring, Amityville, Mm -hmm. 
they all have a major haunt. So that's probably the reason why places that want to be known as a haunted location come up with the story as their major haunt because the little ones collectively aren't the little the little ones that are all collectively put together aren't enough to get that big headline. Right. Yeah, you're right. And maybe a movie made or something like that. So when you talk about Conjuring House, it's Bathsheba. Turns out Bathsheba lived like a couple miles down the road. Didn't right. even live at the house. Exactly. Um, and in this one, you have slag. So it's like they, they seem to, it's better for the brand if you, if that's what you're looking to do with the place. So that's why you can end up with stories like this. Disappointing for us because we're like, you don't need to. So many of these stories are so cool. But for everyone else, they're like, yeah, that's the place with slag the ghost. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's fair too. It's just... I just hate that it just takes away from the actual hauntings is all because any skeptic is just going to be like, well, we found out this is bullshit. So literally everything else must be. And you're like, no, they had so many good things. Please come back. Let's talk about the hauntings. Um, But that's the, it's so, I mean, we talked that this is Birmingham, Alabama, and there's plenty of other haunted places in Birmingham. But Sloss is such a rich history and crazy story that it deserved like its own standalone episode. Yeah, it was a good job. Yeah, well researched. There's a bunch of different hauntings in Birmingham. So I'm assuming the reason you didn't touch on those is because we'll be back for part two eventually. Yeah, I can't imagine not going back to Birmingham for another episode again. Just uh, a lot there. So what do you guys think? Place you'd want to go investigate? I would, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would fly down to Birmingham just to investigate an old factory, but if I was in the area, I'd definitely pop in. Mm. I think it sounds awesome. Maybe if we do a little southern tour, this would be a spot that we stop at. It definitely seems cool. And there's there's other spots around Birmingham that are haunted as well, so it's not like we go to Alabama just to go to this one place. Yep. And I think that leads perfectly into some of the stuff that we have coming up in the next few months. Starting with this week. week. Yeah, Sunday. Starting with, yes. Sunday, we are heading out to New York to the Shanley Hotel, which is a haunted hotel, an infamously haunted hotel in that area. And one of the more famous haunted hotels, at least in the Northeast. So we're going to go there. We got the place booked to ourselves, and we are going to find all of the ghosts. We're going to find them all. Our EMF detectors and our fancy equipment. We are going to at least try to find the ghost. So that is that is the ghost. That is what we're doing for our next haunted location. And I'm excited about it. We've talked about the Shanley for over a year. So to actually do this episode is going to be a, a fun one. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We'll be live streaming there and everything. So keep an eye on the social media um, accounts, probably TikTok, Instagram Live. I don't know if we're going to do a YouTube Live from there, but we might set something up depending on how strong the Wi-Fi is. Mm-hmm. over there so we'll kind of assess that as need be uh one more thing on this for uh creekside asks if we think it was already haunted before uh they use it and caused all the deaths we, I don't, we did briefly touch on that we were talking about the demonic presence because if there is an actual demonic presence there then it would very likely be ancient and have predated mankind in most cases or at least most demonic cases according to the experts in that field Mm-hmm. yeah so i think i think that is a definite possibility for that one and papa squatch asks if we're bringing a running cockroach charcuterie board <laughs> <laughs> few will understand that joke we tried out a new game we actually streamed it yesterday if uh 
folks that are listening to the audio version are interested in gaming streams, we do occasionally fire up the old stream for some gaming. We tried out a new game called Demonologist. Last night, we streamed it on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch. A lot of fun. A lot like Phasmophobia, but some more jump scares. And the EMF detector that they have in that game looks kind of like a charcuterie board with some lights and a random cockroach that seems to walk when you walk. So that's what he's talking about there. But fun game. Keep an eye out, you know, if we go live for some games. Demonologist is a fun one. Some other things we have going on coming up in May. Well, before we we get to that, so we're going to New York this week. Well, it's important. We're going to New York this weekend. And because we're going to be away this weekend, uh, Uh, investigating a live location, next week will be a special episode, which we are going to be covering all of your listener submitted ghost stories that we've compiled over the past month or so. So we are going to put those together. And next week will be a very special listener submitted ghost story episode which is really cool and if you want if you have a ghost story that you want featured on that episode email it over to us hometown ghost stories at gmail.com just let us know what the story is give us your permission to share it and we'll share it on the episode it'll be a regular tuesday 9 p.m live episode just like every every week and then the podcast will be up wednesday so if that interests you email us Yep. There's also a channel in Discord for your ghost story. You could share it there as well if you don't want to email. But please do make sure that you give us permission to use it. Otherwise, we will not. So we need uh, the story. We need permission. So Exactly. And anyone that's submitted a ghost story, if you're shaky, like, I don't know if I want it shared. We're going to reach out to whichever ghost stories we pick out of that. And uh, we'll, we'll hit you up individually. So keep an eye on your Discord messages and see if we hit you back or your email. And uh, we should be using that for that one. And you have plenty of time now until then to submit your ghost story. So do that via email or Discord as well. By plenty of time, he means like 72 hours. So get that done. Yeah, try to get it to us the next three <laughs> days or so. Yeah. If you haven't sent it by now, it's done for. <laughs> it. So we've actually, you had, you had we've your 20 already, seconds. We're already throwing it away. Um, and that leads to next month. We have told a few of you, but just to make sure that everyone knows, we are going to be at the Penhurst asylum paracon convention so we will be there may 19th and 20th i believe is the dates on that and we'll have a booth there so if you're in the pennsylvania area and you want to head out to penhurst we will be there so shoot us a just come by and say hello and uh take a picture and hang out mackenzie says oh shit i lived in a haunted house i'm running to gmail i believe for mackenzie actually sent in the ghost story from the last time we covered New York or one of the times we covered New York. And that was a Swigo. Yes. It was a good one. It was. So we'll be doing more conventions as well. We're kind of looking around to get those booked and stuff. So we might be coming to an area near you. Most likely if you're in the Northeast, more likely than if you're out West, but yes, we are looking to book more of those as well. Um, also I haven't been able to do it the last two weeks. I just want to, I lost a pet two weeks ago and a lot of you reached out to me and gave your condolences and I just wanted to say thank you to all of you. It's been packed with the guests the last two weeks, but thank you to everybody that reached out. Yeah, we appreciate that for sure. Uh, We also appreciate our patrons. Let's thank them real quick for our VIPs. We have Allison V. We have Garrett, Jeannie R., Justin T., Lisa J., Mallory K., Mike Oubliette, Blake, Mom and Pops W., Robert H., Stephen V., Demon King, and Irish Assassin Gaming. 
Thank you so much for being VIPs. We also have Ambie Rose, Anna C, Donnie N, Lily, Jake V, Janice G, Mar Fire, Matthew T, Papa Squatch, Rachel B, Sarah Cook, Stephanie A, Sydney B, Al Capone, Anthony T, Ashley M, Brandon W, Brennan B, Captain McSlugs, Cody G, Eric S, Huggy Bear, Joe R, Carrie Lee J, Mark M, Mariah M, Paul from St. Louis. We have a brand new patron, which I believe is from today. Named Peach Smoothie. Thank you so much, Peach Smoothie, and welcome to the gang. Sorry I didn't make another credits, but it was literally right before the show started, but here we are now. Also, we have Rachel B., Sarah R., Scotty L., Solar Flare, Soph M., and Hooper. For as little as $3 a month, you can join on Patreon. Get early access to episodes our bonus content. You can get ad-free episodes. You can get some sneak peek of investigation footage that we have not released. So you do get some behind-the-scenes stuff as well and uh, Patreon pre-show hangouts, movie nights, all sorts of fun stuff on Patreon. If you cannot afford the $3 a month on Patreon, you can become a member on YouTube now. $1, boom, that's the cheapest tier, right? So $1 on YouTube, you can become a member, get some, unlock some cool emotes and perks and everything like that. Oh, so so Jeanette is uh, is Peach Smoothie. Well, thank you so much for joining our Patreon and donating also, today and uh, membership. Was she the one who we couldn't figure out how to pronounce her name earlier? Because it's definitely just Jeanette. Yeah, it I did was such a better job this time around. Okay. I think there was an I in it earlier. So, yeah, we're um, like Geniette. <laughs> <laughs> so fancy. So provocative. <laughs> um, uh, I want to just clarify, Rob, because you had mentioned that you lost a pet and everyone's very sad about that. You didn't mention that it was not Gotham, if anyone was worried about that. Are, are you saying Bruce isn't as important as Gotham? What is no, happening right now? You talk about Gotham every episode, so the people might be concerned. Gotcha. No, Gotham is still lazy as ever. Very good. Uh, um, and then Stephanie A did up, update the fan base on Discord. We have official names for our folks. So fan base is Las Costa Nostras, which I also use for the YouTube members. Live chat is the Oubliettes. All patrons, Oubliettes. patrons are the Ghost Pirate Mafia. The $10 tier is Warren's Wards. And the VIP tier is the Church of Bucky McHat Elders. I'm going to have to memorize that for when I read out the patron names. But thank you for everyone who voted on the uh, tier names. And welcome, Las Costa Nostras and everybody else. So that's awesome. And thank you again, Stephanie, for all your hard work. Two more things. Mm. We were talking about supporting the show. If you can't afford to support the show with money, we totally understand. The way you can do it is by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to it on podcast. And if you've already left a five-star on iTunes, you can still go update it and tell us how much you like the show still, which is very helpful as well. And the other thing is we do have merch at hometownghoststories.com. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we do thank you all for hanging out with us every Tuesday night. We'll be back on Friday with a new side content episode that I am excited about. Do we want to give them a little teaser there, Rob? Yeah, so it's a double Rob week, which is always fun for any of us that have to do both things in the same week. But we are covering the Cleveland Torso Murders, otherwise known as the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run from Cleveland, Ohio. So we're going to talk about we're going to be talking about that uh, that murder case that is unsolved to this day. All right, I like it. I love a good serial killer story, unsolved mystery stuff. Yes. As, uh, Epsilon says member perks say there are shout outs Jesse get to it did <laughs> I, I not just, all did I not just shout out <laughs> I shout out everyone every episode 
That is like actually what an episode is. It's just Jesse shouting out names as me and Dave try to talk about ghosts. For example, we have Captain McSlugs on this show pretty often. And there's no way he says more words during that episode than I do during that shout out. <laughs> like it's definitely longer than Andrew's entire dialogue. But thank you, yes. Catholic Slugs. We love you. So anyways, I think that'll pretty much do it. Do we have anything else there, gentlemen? That's going to do it for me. Anyways, we'll see you guys on Friday for a new side content episode. Back on Tuesday for a special episode. And we'll see you on Sunday broadcasting live from the Shanley Hotel in New York. 